Welcome to the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again this week. Uh, I'm here with uh, our fearless leader here at the Institute, Brother Brendan Felix. Brother Felix, welcome. Thank you, Matt. So great to be with you. Good to be good to be with you. Uh, we're back in the Book of Mormon. Uh, we've been in the Book of Mormon for a couple of weeks now, um, and I just love being in the Book of Mormon. I'm, I'm excited to visit with you today about it. Um, before we jump in, uh, Brother Felix, you listen, I think most weeks you mm-hmm. listen to the podcast. I try to. I try to. As you listen, as you... Um, are, are kind of your brain is kind of all things young adult in the valley here um, what are things that you think would be helpful or things that you would counsel our listeners um, to do with what we do here um, you listen you hear kind of our interaction back and forth um, what is your hope for how the podcast can benefit or bless uh, those that are listening I think my hope is just that it can add add some additional depth, additional flavor yeah. uh, to someone's study. Yeah. Uh, this shouldn't replace someone's study. This shouldn't be, oh, I listened to the podcast on Sunday. I'm, I'm good for my scripture study for the right. week, yeah. and, and I'm, up with, I'm up with Come Follow Me. Uh, this is just an additional spice uh, that can just add some richness and some depth to what someone's already doing. Yeah, good. Well, I appreciate that, and that's, again, kind of our hope uh, as, we, as we run it from week to week, but... But I just appreciate your uh, your perspective on it as well. Anything before we jump in that you would uh, want to share with young adults in the valley or those that are far flung away and around the world? Those in the valley would just in, continue to invite you to out to institute, uh, find a find a class that works for you. We've got some uh, some fun offerings yeah. and some different offerings this semester that we hope can can reach uh, lots of different folks with yeah. with different uh, interests and ideas. Uh, we're hoping that we we just have a place where people can gather and, and belong, and whether you're at the down at the Boise campus, uh, out at the Nampa campus, or a couple of different satellite places in the valley, uh, just come, be with us, yeah. uh, enjoy the the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and feel the blessings from it. Agreed, agreed. I'm excited to to get into the next semester and and, and really dive into this uh, this the new things we're adding here this this semester here. Okay, well, we're going to be in 1 Nephi chapter 6 through uh, 11, 10, 10 10. 10, 10 today, Uh, 6 through 10, and uh, with that, we've we've been with uh, Nephi, Nephi's gone back and gotten the plates, Um, he's, uh, they're out in the wilderness, they're having a a wilderness experience, Uh, I don't know exactly how long they've been out at this point, but but longer than just a few days, and uh, and now we get Nephi uh, in chapter 6, and I'm just going to let you take over. It's, it's so interesting that it, chapter 6 is the time when he explains the whole purpose for him writing. Yeah. And the thing that should, should 
I guess affect how we read Nephi's writings for the for the rest of the rest of his time, first and second Nephi. We get his intent in verse four. Chapter six, verse four says, For the the fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and be saved. Mm. That title, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that the God of those those patriarchs uh, is referencing Jehovah, which would therefore be the Savior. The whole purpose of his book yeah. and his writing is to lead people and invite people to come unto Christ. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I, I might just take us just quickly. Ver- verse six, and, or sorry, chapter six and chapter nine are similar um, in that he kind of expounds a little bit more now in chapter nine about why he's writing, what, what his record is. So maybe we just look at those two, two chapters together. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking in this about how he's, he's making two different records, um, one that's going to be over the ministry and one that's going to be over the wars and the, the governmental problems that, that exist amongst his people. And it's interesting to me that Nephi's kind of foreshadowing what he is gonna, what's going to happen to his people, that they're going to become a people. I mean, like, to me, if my family is by itself wandering off into wherever, that it's going to become this big, massive group of people would be pretty lofty thinking. But because Nephi's been taught and believed uh, by the angel and by God what and his dad, uh, what he, he was to go do, he really does say, you know, this is this is for my people, but it's also a, a, a big, giant group of people that we're, uh, we're going to turn into. Um, and he says, I'm, I'm making this record, I'm looking at verse 5, making these plates for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not. This is the two different records. Yeah, the large plates versus the small plates. Right. Uh, the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth the way to accomplish all his work. I think as we tie that back to chapter 6, uh, to persuade men to come unto God. And then we think about, okay, Moroni, you know, th- a thousand years later, gets the small plates and gets the large plates separate, um, sees those two different books and, and, and uh, puts them together in a, in, a, in a logical way. Had Nephi just put it all together, it would have been really hard for, for Moroni to go through and, and Mormon to go through and, and really identify, right? One of the beautiful things about this this verse, particularly for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not, just gives us a, a great example of having faith in the vision of Heavenly Father, his foresight, his knowledge. For us, as we look back, we were like, this totally makes sense because yeah. we know the story. Right. We know the 116 pages are going to get lost. Yeah. There's going to be a need to replace that book of Lehi that yep. was translated. Yep. And, and this is the perfect thing that gets put into there. Yeah. In hindsight, it's awesome for us. But how many how many times he's like, oh, I'm making this whole set of plates. Uh-huh. I really don't know why. Uh-huh. I know I'm supposed to. I, I guess I will. Yeah. And in our own lives, how many times will there be those things where I, I know the Lord wants me to do this. I don't see the purpose sure. right now. Yeah. And maybe in our lifetime, we don't. Yeah. Nephi in his lifetime, as far as I, I know, didn't understand the purpose as to why he was going to make a whole separate set of plates. Right, yeah, I don't think he ever does. <laughs> Probably in his life, right? Now, I love Elder Holland's talk about this. Uh, as, he, as he shared in a, an address to religious educators, he talked about uh, the Lord having this purpose. And he said, clearly this was not a quid pro quo in the development of the final pages of the Book of Mormon product. 
it's not tit for tat, this for that. You give me 116 pages, I'll give you 142, and so on. <laughs> he says this, quote, We got back more than we lost, hmm. and it was known from the beginning that it would be so. Hmm. It was for a wiser purpose. We do not know exactly what we missed in the 116 pages, but we do know that what we received on the small plates was the personal declaration of three great witnesses, yeah. three of the great doctrinal voices of the Book of Mormon, testifying that Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it does go tie back to chapter 6. The intent is to, to yeah. talk about the Savior, to point to the Savior. And whatever had been written in the book of Lehi, I'm sure it did that to some degree, yeah. but the Lord's like, I want this one. Yeah, I want this one that really is going to have a Nephi. It's going to have an Isaiah. Sure. Um, it's going to have a. It's going to have a Jacob. He's going to have some people that have yeah. that testify of the Savior. Well, and, and really, you know, we're we're talking about this, and I, we've kind of skipped over verse one. Verse one is Nephi saying, chapter nine saying, all these things my father uh, did see and hear and speak. She dwelt in the tent, and he wrote all these things down. Right, mm -hmm. but but it's interesting to me that. If we had, if we had the book of Lehi, it would have stopped basically as soon as they got to, you know, the promised land. But but Nephi's story includes pretty much everything Lehi had, plus what happens after we get mm -hmm. to the promised land, right? Mm -hmm. And so it would have been a duplicate for sure to have to have both. Maybe there would have been new things or added yeah. things for mm -hmm. sure. There would have right Lehi's perspective on things, but um, but it's interesting for me to see that the Lord has a bigger scope. Mm -hmm. than just what Lehi would have given us, right? He's saying, hey, the people are going to be called the Nephites. They're going to be called Lamanites. This is this is this group of people. And as important as Lehi's story is and, and, and as uh, important figure as he was, his written record maybe is maybe not as important as the one we have with Nephi here. Yeah. Obviously, or we would have it, right? Yeah, ver verse 6, and, and something that I think is relevant to our young adults. For the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish all his work among yeah. the children of men. Have faith in what the Lord knows and in what we don't, yeah. and move forward and exercise that faith in, in his purposes, his design. Uh, you and I both have students that have done that and mm -hmm. not knowing exactly what they're going to do in their lives mm -hmm. or, or other situations and relationships and so on, but the Lord knows. Yeah. Take faith in that. Move forward in that. You may not see it, yeah. but He does. Well, move forward, I think, is important. Uh, and, and maybe I'll just share an uh, anecdotal uh, story from Elder Bednar. Elder Bednar was asked at one point, I remember watching a video training with him and his wife, um, he was asked, you know, for those of us that aren't married yet, how do we prepare ourselves to be married? We're, you know, doing all the things we're supposed to. We go to church, we read our scriptures, we say our prayers. How? What else can we do to show the Lord that we're, we're ready for that? And it was interesting, his response, because, you know, I think he could have very easily said, well, just continue. To continue to do the basic things, hold to the rod, do, you know. But what he said was, live as if you already have what you want. And I think as I... As I read verse 6, The Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish all his works. I think, what great counsel that is. If I, if I want to be married, for example, if that's the thing I want, what time would I go to bed? I would not stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning if I was already married, right? You, you and your spouse, you just don't do that. You don't eat out every meal. You, don't, you, 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 uh, you study differently. You serve in your calling differently. You go to the same ward from week to week, right? I mean, all mm -hmm. the things that, that young adults do just by virtue of having freedom in their life finally, be moving away from mom and dad. But I thought that counsel was really good because if I'm willing to live 
um, I'm showing the Lord that I'm prepared, I'm preparing myself to accomplish what he wants me to do. Now, I don't know that that necessarily means the Lord's going to put Mr. or Mrs. right in front of you, right? But but it does show the Lord you're willing. Mm-hmm. You're willing to live as, as he would. Anyway, I, I, that just came to my mind as we were reading verse 6. So. Well, we definitely have an example of a Nephi that is willing, and he does what the Lord, Lord commands. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that's six and nine. So yeah. let's get into seven now. So seven, we got a little bit of storyline. Okay, uh, this is the time when the Lehi sons are going to return to Jerusalem right. and invite Ishmael and, right. and his family on on board. Uh, it's interesting that there's there's not any complaints about this one. Right, they go back and uh, <laughs> from from Laman and Lemuel, but there definitely is on the on the the way back after they've convinced. Uh, well, I think it's important to, to see how the convincing took place right. of getting this family to come out in the wilderness. So if you jump to verse 4, okay. uh, as they're meeting with Ishmael, it says, It came to pass that we went up into the house of Ishmael, and we did gain favor in the sight of Ishmael, insomuch that we did speak unto him the words of the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord did soften the heart of Ishmael and also his household, insomuch they took their journey with us down into the wilderness to the tent of our father. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, that's that's kind of a hard sell to go yeah. and, and convince somebody, hey, can you leave everything like we right. did yeah. and head out into the wilderness? Sure. But a little note I wrote off the side, I put, the word of God is convincing. It works best. Yeah. And so as it says there, insomuch we did speak unto him the words of the Lord. Mm-hmm. There was power in the doctrine and in the, the, the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even to the, the convincing of doing things that just don't seem to make sense uh, temporally or according to what the what the world what the world views. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I, I think um, I think too often we well it, it maybe it, maybe it goes a little farther in. There, there's going to be some uh, some dissent here mm-hmm. as we get a little farther. But one of the things that that we learn is that there is a daughter for every son right there's there is a member of the family for every son not only for the sons of nephi but for zoram who's left laban's Mm -hmm. assistant right so so in thinking about the lord preparing a way and preparing a person or a family right he not only prepared them spiritually to receive the message and and hear it and say yeah that's that's what we need to be doing he also prepared them temporally to be an exact match for Lehi's family, yeah. right? Uh, years before, in, in you know, in, in the number of children in their family and whatnot. And I, and I think sometimes we we hear the gospel and the gospel fits us spiritually, but it doesn't necessarily fit us temporally, or at least from our perspective, it doesn't fit us temporally. There's things I have to cut loose out of my life or whatever. And I think ultimately, if I just trust that the Savior knows best, that the things I have to cut away or the things I maybe have to add to my life are the things that will make me whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like these like these people were made whole uh, by having this other family come with them. Yeah. Very yeah. cool, very cool. So they're, they're traveling back. Uh, as you mentioned, a little bit of rebellion, mm-hmm. um, some hard-heartedness from some Lehi's brothers and some others. Uh, you get some some questions from, uh, from Nephi. Uh, Whenever there's a repetitive phrase in Scripture, it's pretty, pretty significant. Verse 8, you've got, how is it that you're so hard in your hearts? Mm-hmm. Verse 9, how is it that you have not hearkened? Yeah. Verse 10, how is it that you have forgotten? Uh, yea, how is it that you have forgotten what great things? Uh, 12, yea, how is it that you have forgotten? A great question for us, how is it that we sometimes forget yeah. uh, the things that we've seen, the hand of the Lord in our, in our lives, and to have a, a little reminder every now and again? 
but the, the testimony in 12, how is it that you have forgotten that the Lord is able to do all things according to his will? Mm. They've seen it with the plates. Somehow they've, they've forgotten that already. And Nephi is trying to remind him. But, as we know, with his brothers, often the reminders work, do, not right? go, he, do not know, go as well. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. As I, as I read that, he talks about faith at the end, right? In mm-hmm. verse 12, he says, If it so be that they exercise faith in him, wherefore, let us be faithful to him. And then he goes on in 13, And if it so be that we are faithful to him, we shall obtain a land of promise, and ye shall know at some future period that the word of the Lord shall be fulfilled concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. You'll know stuff if you act in faith, right? Mm-hmm. That, that faith precedes knowledge is really what Nephi is trying to teach them. Um, it, and yes, I'll know that the promised land was supposed to be mine. I'll know that Jerusalem was destroyed. Um, but, but that harkens in my mind to Alma 32 a little bit where you plant the seed and as soon as the seed starts to grow, it's no longer faith because you know it works, right? Mm-hmm. That idea is really what he's trying to get them to, to, to act on, and, and the, he speaks so often of forgetting, right? Three times in, th- in three verses. Yep. That really, if I just remember what's happened to me, I'll have a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith, and just be a little more patient before I just jump on and act out in, in the way that doesn't help me at all. Yep. Right? Go yep. against what God wants me to do. And it makes me wonder, did they... Did they exercise enough? They, we know that they exercised enough faith to obtain the land of promise right. because they're going to help build a boat and yep. they're, they're going to get there. But I don't know that those brethren ever fully knew that the destruction of Jerusalem took place, yeah. that they ever got that knowledge. Yeah. Partly because did they ever exercise that faith? Right. Now, Nephi's going to. Nephi's going to see some great visions that, that show that mm-hmm. and then show even his posterity and destruction right. there. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah. I, I don't know that faith was ever exercised enough by well, others. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. We, we talked a, a week ago uh, about um, the destruction that Jerusalem's going to have, but, but we also spoke about how Laman and Lemuel had nothing to go back to because they'd given it all away, mm-hmm. you know, to Laban. And there, there's a whole, that whole story is, is worth going back and listening to again. But, but interestingly, here, now they have another family's stuff to go back to, right? There's something to go back to, and so they start arguing, let's go back now, right? But, but remember that they'd already given it away, and, the, and they're, um, it, it, verse 15, if you will return to Jerusalem, you shall also perish with them, that, that all of Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. If you have choice, go up to the land. Remember the words which I spake unto you, that if you go, you will also perish. For thus the Spirit of the Lord constraineth me that I should speak. You, you have freedom. Nobody's holding you back. Lamb and Lamb, you'll feel free. Go. Take off. Right? But, but they don't, but not before they get angry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right? And so we have, the, we have a, a tying up, uh, first of probably a couple, uh-huh. right, that are going to be happening with uh, brothers versus brothers. But uh, we, So we have Nephi tied up. And we have Nephi's prayer in 17. Mm-hmm. But it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, according to my faith, which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, even give me strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. Mm-hmm. So some pretty instructional things. First off, it's the faith in the Savior. He's absolutely relying on the yeah. Savior. His faith in the Savior, Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, O Lord, hey, I know I can do this. Yeah. Just, just help me do. It. It's I, I know you can do this. My mm-hmm. faith in Thee. Uh, I do think it's interesting. He he wants to. Uh, that may, he asked that they burst the bands 
that he's bound with. And 18, the answer comes a little bit differently. And it came to pass when I had said these words, behold, the bands were loosed from off my hands and feet. Mm. And I stood before my brethren. So certainly the principle of prayers are not always answered in the way that, that we want, sure. uh, but, but prayers are prayers are answered. Yeah. Have enough faith to, yeah. to, to move forward with yeah. that. Well, and sometimes, sometimes the the thing we pray for is strength to become better, strength to become more. And maybe we're already enough. God's just going to ch- cause that challenge to just fall apart, right? And, and, and I think we talk so frequently about the enabling power of the atonement, and that is so true, that our purpose here is to become more. But I think in cases like this, Nephi's enough already. His faith was enough. He didn't have to gain more capacity to be, to be able to be set free from those bonds. I just wonder sometimes for me, if I was able to say that same prayer, I have enough faith in thee that I know that this trial can just be taken away. I think sometimes I'm afraid of asking for that because I know the trials are for a reason. They're, they're given to me for a reason. Um, but, but sometimes I think the Lord, well, it's a Bible dictionary definition of prayer that, that um, sometimes we just need to, we need to ask for the thing we want. Many blessings are kind of in a box up in heaven. God's waiting for them to just be asked for. We have to ask for them. Um, and I think sometimes we're afraid to just ask for the thing we want because we know we're supposed to learn and we're supposed to become more and all that. Maybe sometimes the Lord will just take it and loose the band. might not look the same way you wanted it to or yeah. you thought it would, but maybe he's willing to just do that sometimes. I think there's a number of different things we can we can learn in this. Elder, Elder Bednar in a, in a BYU-Idaho uh, talk called In the Strength of the Lord referenced this particular story. And he said, uh, Nephi is an example, quote, Nephi is an example of one who knew and understood and relied upon the enabling power of the Savior. He went on to say, brothers and sisters, do you know what I likely would have prayed if I had been tied up by my brothers? My prayer would have included a quest for something bad to happen to my brothers <laughs> and ended with the phrase, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Or in other words, please get me out of this mess now. He continues, it is especially interesting to me that Nephi did not pray as I probably would have prayed to have his circumstances changed. Rather, he prayed for the strength to change his circumstances. Huh. And, and may I suggest that he prayed in this manner precisely because he knew and understood and had experienced the enabling power of the atonement of Christ. Huh. Well, and it, it's interesting because like we just said, he prayed to change his own circumstances and the Lord just changed his circumstance, right? Nephi wanted to be the one to do it. He was like, I can do this. Just mm-hmm. give me enough strength, mm-hmm. I can do this. But the Lord said, you don't need to. I'll just loosen the bands, right? Yep. That's really cool. Yep. That's really cool. Now, as I was also thinking about this and, and prayer in general, and what do we pray for and what do we ask for, I, I was reminded of another article in the, in the Liahona from April 2016 uh, called How to Pray in a Way God Can Answer. Mm. And it, uh, it's about a, it's a sister that's writing. Her name is uh, Celeste Davis. And she just talked about how she was having some, some difficult times with a third child that wasn't, wasn't sleeping very well. And, and so then she's thinking about, well, I'm, I'm praying for help. And, and why are my prayers not getting answered? And, and so then she got thinking, uh, she wrote this quote, What are those things it is possible for God to grant? How can I make sure my wishes are the wishes of Christ? How can I get in, in alignment? And so then she started praying in a different way. She said, quote, I came up with a little formula to help me in my prayers. It's simply this. Whenever you ask for something you want, and you're not totally sure if it's something God wants for you, tack on the phrase, but if not. And then add something you're sure God would want for you. Hmm. 
And she just felt like at that point she was starting to get more in alignment. It wasn't just I'm here's my wish list of the things yeah. that I want. Uh, her her prayers became different because she began to think, well, this is what I want, and but I know that Heavenly Father wants good for me. How can how can both be together and maybe not be answered in the way I want, but still answer in a way that He can? Can't yeah, that's answer. really cool. You shared before we hit record the little little example she gives of a child. Mm-hmm. I want you to read that, but but I'm my brain has been going back and forth to the Bible dictionary, and there's a couple of things. Um, it says the object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessings that God is already willing to grant, but that are made conditional on our asking for them. Mm-hmm. So again, there's a box of blessings in heaven. He's just yep. waiting for me to ask for them. But then he goes on. He says, we pray in Christ's name when our mind is the mind of Christ and our wishes the wishes of Christ. When his words abide in us, we then ask for things it is possible for God to grant. Many prayers remain unanswered because they are not in Christ's name at all. They in no way represent his mind but spring out of the selfishness of man's heart. Mm-hmm. So with that as the background, give this example that uh, that she gives in in this little baby, this this mother. So she put for example, uh, quote, God, please help me to get some sleep tonight. But if not, help me to have enough energy to be pleasant and hardworking anyway. Yeah. God, please bless that my child will get over this sickness and feel better. But if not, help us to trust in thee and be patient with each other. Yeah. God, please bless that I will be included in my group of friends. But if not, even if I feel excluded, help me to be kind and generous. Yeah. So certainly, I think he wants to know our pleadings and mm-hmm. our desires of our heart. But also, we should give him the freedom to yeah. answer in a different way. Yeah, and I, and I love that because it allows for both things in the Bible dictionary, right? It allows for me to say, here's what I want. But if that can't happen, here's what I th- I'm pretty sure you want. And that might be a little bit more of a pause in my prayer, right? I know exactly what I want. Exactly. But to pause and be like, hey, what would the Savior say I, sh- I need, at least, at a minimum? And what could he possibly right? give? Yeah. What, what would he probably give, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that I'm up all night with this little baby that's crying all night long, right? What, what would he want me to have tomorrow? It makes us kind of reflect on what is my preparation for prayer? Mm-hmm. Is it just a, I'm rolling out of bed and here it goes, yep. or I'm about to roll into bed and so yep. here here goes? And I'm reminded of what it talks about in Romans chapter 8. So a little flashback to last year's New Testament. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, If we don't know, prepare. Prepare for the Spirit. We might not know how to to tack on the but if not. Yeah. We're just like, no, this is what I want. Yeah. Uh, spend some time. Have the Spirit kind of lead and guide and direct. Help us make that intercession yeah. that we just don't even maybe grasp. Yeah, ourselves. and then ask for that thing. I think sometimes we, we are taught by the Spirit, this is what you need. And then you're like, okay, well, you taught me, so go for it. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> yeah. But it's still conditional yeah, upon... Our asking for exactly. It, right? I think that's so cool. That's so cool. And, and it maybe ties me... Maybe ties us into what's coming and and maybe we don't want to skip too far ahead but um i think it's interesting that how lehi gets the vision uh in chapter eight so maybe we would just start in the chapter eight unless there's more in in seven that you want to cover no we're well we got some frankly forgiving yep. and i know the come follow me actually address that so spend some time with, yeah. with that 
how Nephi just frankly forgives yeah. his brothers. Yeah. So then we get into chapter 8 where uh, Lehi is seeing this vision. And maybe we'll just start in verse 1. It came to pass we had gathered together all manner of seeds of every kind, both of grain and fruit. So he's gathering things together. They're moving through the wilderness. Um, and uh, Laman and Lemuel are still, or Lehi's telling Laman and Lemuel, I'm still fearful of you. And I see things going on that, that uh, I'm, I'm a little afraid for you. Um, but then Lehi sees this vision, right? And it's interesting to me, just kind of correlating to what we just were talking about, about preparing for prayer. And I've had times in my life where I was closer to the Spirit and times where I was farther away from the Spirit. And those times where I'm closer, prayer is a different thing. Prayer is not me feeling alone asking for these things that I feel like I need. Prayer is me... Ah, conversational is the wrong word. That's too um, earthly. <laughs> um, but but it is a little more um, of a conversation back and forth where I know what I'm I know what I need. I I'm not quite sure how to ask for it, and and then I kind of get I don't know that vision is the right word, but a little bit clearer picture of what it is that I need or what direction I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me how uh, Lehi. Uh, dreamed a dream, right? Verse verse two, he dreamed a dream. Or in other words, I have seen a vision. And I just wonder sometimes if we if we put visions and dreams in the past as things that only old prophets had and, and maybe prophets today, but definitely not me and you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's I think that's untrue. I think we have visions of what life's supposed to be like and where I'm supposed to be moving. Um, but we but we don't see it as this pillar in front of me, and yeah. so we don't we don't attribute or this it this movie that we're that we're watching yeah, exactly. and so on. I, it's it's the little flashes of insight. It's yeah. the little inspiration that comes. Yeah. Uh, that can be those can be the vision, and yeah. it can clear from what we see happening to Lehi. Clear from the the dark and dreariness. Yeah. Uh, to them, we have large and spacious field with light. Yeah. We have a tree with with fruit that yeah. that makes people. Makes people happy. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's, and he's seeing his sons, right? He's seeing his family, and I think all of us, those of us with children, especially, are able to look at our children and have concerns for them, and be able to force, foresee, forecast maybe a little bit where these choices might lead them. Um, and and I don't know that it's as obviously this is a pretty clear vision. Nephi gets it later, right? But but I don't know that it is as. Uh, movie-like as mm-hmm. maybe we've painted it in, with all the pictures and the artwork that exists on it. I wonder if this is just a, a lot of Lehi worried about his kids, thinking about how how are people saved? How do I get my kids and my family saved? Yeah. What What is really my concern? What are my concerns with Laman and Lemuel? And and then the the kind of analogy comes to his mind, yeah. you know? As personal as it is for Lehi, yeah. because he, he does have concern. Uh, his boys, a couple of his boys, don't make it to that sure. tree. Yeah, and and he, you know, he talks about with all the love of a of a, of a parent, a tender, tender parent. parent yeah. um, in verse thirty-seven, he's he's trying to get them to hearken. So this absolutely blesses him, or is trying to bless he and his family individually. Mm-hmm. But in the Lord and in, in the economy of heaven, says no, no, everyone needs to be blessed by this. And yeah. I'm going to put this in the very beginning of this book. Yeah, and it's going to be just a staple yeah. uh, throughout throughout years to try to teach about getting back to the Savior and what it takes to get back to the Savior. Well, and I also think, and I, and I want to get into this vision, but I also think that the Lord knew 
the nature of man, the nature of man in our day, that we would read a book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The beginning of the book. And then start over. Very often. That that this would be something we read a lot because of just the nature of us. That that this story, this vision, is one that teaches us the plan of salvation on earth, the the ways to accomplish uh, obtaining the tree. Um, and Lehi's experiences, Nephi's experiences, right? Those that are so formative in our in our understanding of the gospel um, are the things we probably read the most. Yep, absolutely. Very cool. Okay, so we're in. Let's jump right into the tree. Okay. Verse 10, It came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. Yep. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof, and I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I ever before tasted. And I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I ever that I ever had seen. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceeding great joy. Wherefore I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that I, that it was desirable above all other fruit. Yeah. Uh, Lehi, excuse me, Nephi later receives the interpretation of these things. We learn in chapter 11 uh, that the tree represents the, the love of God, mm-hmm. um, which sheddeth abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore, it's the most desirable above all things. Mm-hmm. Prophets have then, I, there's not any interpretation that's given of the fruit, yeah. just of the tree, the, tree. the love of God. Yeah. But prophets have given us some things. Uh, Elder Holland said, The Spirit made explicit that the tree of life and its precious fruit are symbols of Christ's redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elder Maxwell went on to say, to partake of the love of God is to partake of Jesus' atonement mm. and the emancipations and joy which it can bring. Mm. So really, we, we know the tree is the love of God, but how is that love of God most manifested? Through Christ's Through atonement. atonement. And so partake, yeah. partake of the atonement. Well, isn't that interesting too, that the, that the tree represents the love of God, but that fruit is a personal thing, right? Mm-hmm. You get your own fruit, you sit down and you eat your own fruit. You have yep. your own experience and own your own individual love of God for you, right? And can you really take it in? Yeah. Do you really digest that yeah. and put, have it become a part of you? Yeah. Or do you just kind of hold it in your hand? Yes, I, I, have I it. know the atonement. It's <laughs> it's right over there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but am I really going to put it into myself? Yeah, ingest it. That's great. Am I going to have it become a part That's of That's a great me? way of looking at that. So we could go through we could go through all the symbols. Um, we're, I, I don't know that... I, I think we let people kind of do that on their own. That yeah. is, a, again, a part of Come Follow Me as well. Yeah. There's a table in there to kind of look at those things. I did want to talk about the people, though, okay. um, partly because there's just been uh, prophets that have talked about the various different different groups sure. of people. Sure. Um, can, I, can I start with one person? Yeah, go for it. It's Lehi. Mm-hmm. That In verse 12, Lehi gets himself there first. And I partook of the tree... Sorry, of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceeding great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous of my family partake. Right? So he, so he starts. Yep. And I think it's interesting, uh, verse 14, seeing his family, they stood as if they knew not whither they should go, and it came to pass that I beckoned to them. This, this, I think, is a story for a father to recognize your stewardship, to lead and preside over your home. I think it's also a, 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 an invitation for us to recognize that prophets have already received and have uh, enjoyed the fruit of the tree, and now have turned because they've they've uh, they've obtained that, and they can invite us to obtain it as well. So, so I would just start by saying I think the the first person to recognize is either the father or the the prophet in, involved here, and that he has made it to the tree. Yeah. 
And we know from the vision that there's a, a rod that gets to the tree, yep. and so we know that yep. he must have spent some time in the uh, in the scriptures. And we see that when they got the brass plates, yep. that he dove yep. right into there. And yep. so he is, he's going to set that example of, of what the rod of iron is, which represents the word of God, and how that, lot of, that rod of iron is going to lead people through the midst of darkness. Yeah, and, and even Lehi, verse 7, had gone through the dark and dreary waste, mm-hmm. right? Nephi, when Nephi has his experience, he has to go through it too. Nobody just gets to the tree because God chose them, yep. right? Even Lehi had to go through that in, in process of obtaining. So we we'll love that. I love that. Okay, so, so first group of people. First group of people, I think we're going to have the, the group that kind of commences in 22, and it came to pass that it commence, come forth and commence in the path. But in 23, it came to pass there arose a mist of darkness, mm-hmm. uh, an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. Mm-hmm. Elder Bednar in his talk, uh, A Reservoir of Living Water, uh, was given originally as a BYU devotional, but also has been republished in some in the Leahona magazine. He said about this first group, uh, it's important to note that no mention is made about the rod of iron in these verses. Those who ignore or treat lightly the word of God do not have access to the divine compass, which points the way to the mm. Savior. Interesting. So uh, that first group, no rod of iron. Second group, though, very interesting. Verse 24, And it came to pass I beheld others pressing forward, and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they did press forward through the midst of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. Hmm. They're there. They clung to the rod of iron. They partook of the fruit. But verse 25, And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. Hmm. And then it, then there's a slight different group of people, the spacious building, great yep. spacious building, 26 and 27. But 28 picks us up again with this group that had been ashamed. And after they had tasted the fruit, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them. Mm. And they fell away into the forbidden pass and were lost. Mm. We know folks that have partaken of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And then for whatever reason, uh, feeling ashamed, uh, have wandered off and fallen away into forbidden mm. paths mm. and were lost. Yeah. Yeah, the, the word cling, clung to, is, is something that, in my mind, it almost denotes fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think of, I think of people in my ward, in my life, in my, you know, just around surroundings, who I think are clinging to the gospel. And it, it's, it's like there's a tornado blowing on them, and they're just holding on, Hopeful, hoping that they'll be able to stay, right? That, that, that word is an interesting word to me. And Elder Bednar in this same talk talks about that clinging. He says this, Even with faith, commitment, and the word of God, this group were lost, perhaps because they only periodically read or studied or searched the scriptures. Hmm. Clinging to the rod of iron suggests to me only occasional bursts of study hmm. or irregular dipping rather than consistent ongoing immersion in the word of God. Yeah, interesting. And so clean it, oh, it's, it's hard, I'm, I'm, I'm really grasping yeah. on now, but oh, life's okay now, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're fine, and, and so I'm yeah. not maybe as consistent sure. and, and just the occasional bursts of study. Yeah, or the assumption that I'm wandering around in the midst of darkness and I'm holding onto the rod and, you know, as I take a few steps and then if I just let go of it for a minute, it'll still be there. And then when I put my hand back out, it's, it's shifted. You know, it's not quite where, or I've shifted better. More I shifted, right? right. I shifted, and and so that that idea that you can't just cling to it here and there, and like grasp on when you want to, and when you're, or when you're having trouble, 
right? You're having trouble, just period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always, right? You're always I mean, in like, trouble. You're just in trouble, exactly. so just hold on to that. <laughs> Which brings us to the last group, and it shows that that just hold on to it. If you jump down to verse 40, but to be short in writing, behold, he saw other multitudes pressing forward, that, and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron, until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. Mm-hmm. This last group, uh, Elder, Elder Bednar said this. In this verse 30, we read about a third group of people who pressed forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron. The key phrase in this verse is continually holding fast to the rod of iron. The third group also pressed forward with faith and conviction. However, there is no indication they were wandered off, fell in a forbidden pass, or were lost. Perhaps this third group of people consistently read and studied and searched the word of Christ. Perhaps it was the constant flow of living water that saved the third group from perishing. This is the group you and I should strive to join. Mm. Mm. Consistently studying and searching the Word of God is that continually holding. Yeah, I, I love that. I I, I think uh, the hand over hand, you've always got a hand on the rod. It's kind of t- turning the we- the steering wheel when you're in driver's ed. You've always got a hand on the wheel. Um, I also love that in, in verse 30, um, they held fast to the rod of iron until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree that they got off their feet, that they, they made the choice to, to plant themselves. This is where I'm going to stay. I'm not going to keep looking around. I'm not going to wander back and forth under the tree, looking to see what my other options are. They literally just took themselves out of the game and sat down and said, this is it. This is where I'm going to be. And I think that doesn't mean that they didn't ask questions. That doesn't mean that they weren't uh, engaged learners still. But they recognized this is truth. This is where I need to stay. And I'm going to ask my questions from this position and not go wandering off looking for other resources that are mm-hmm. maybe shiny, you know, because it's just not this tree. It's it's not going to be this. I wrote a lacrosse reference off the side. I, I put fall down and I put First Nephi 11.24, which goes to the interpretation. Yep. We have numerous interpretations in 11 as Nephi uh-huh. is getting that interpretation. But verse 24 says this. Uh, oh, and I guess backdrop. Within the interpretations... There's interpretations, but there's also scenes of the life of the Savior. Uh. And so as it's, it's just interesting that to demonstrate some of the interpretations, the life of the Savior's yeah. is shown as kind of sure. examples of that. Yeah. And so here's, here's one that connects. Verse 24, And after he had said these words, he said unto me, Look, and I looked and beheld the Son of God going forth among the children of men, and I saw many fall down at his feet and mm. worship him. Mm. The verses a couple before that were just how we learned how the tree represents the love of God. Mm-hmm. And the fruit, of course, is the atonement. Right. And so now we have people falling down. He's seen in the life of the Savior people falling down and worshiping the Son of God. Yeah, so you're planning yourself yeah. there because you're planting yourself right at the right feet, of the, feet of the Savior. I love that. That's fantastic. So what a, what a magnificent vision. Um, you know, he, he obviously looks around and he sees some more multitudes. Verse 33, well... Yeah. 31 also saw other multitudes feeling their way towards the great and spacious building intentionally they were like I want to go there that's what I want um, they were drowned in the depths of the fountain they were lost from view wandered in strange roads 
Um, there's probably a whole podcast on strange roads we could do. Yeah. What those or the mist like of darkness. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there is a there is an interesting concept. My I think one of my kids brought up at one point said, "What about the people that never found the gospel? Where where are they in this in this vision?" And I don't know the answer to that, but but it seems to me that the mists of darkness are just lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And and so maybe there are those that maybe there's another group of people that that we couldn't see because they're in the midst of darkness. And they're just wandering around looking for the rod. They never found it, but they were not looking for the, the great and spacious building either. Um, you know, if they got a glimpse of that, they turned away from that. But wandered in midst of darkness, maybe. I, I think we maybe have a little bit of a insight into that from Doctrine and Covenants, section 123. Cool. Where Joseph says, For there are many yet on the earth among all sects, parties, and denominations who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men. Hmm whereby they lie in wait to deceive and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. Yeah. Now with that group, then comes the, the injunction in the next verse. Therefore, that we should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness wherein we know them and they are truly manifested from heaven. Yeah. That's incumbent upon us that are, that are on the rod yeah. to say, come, find out. Uh, we waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light yeah. those that are that are right now. They just know not where to find it. Yeah, and I, and I think maybe that's, uh, yeah, I think you can't be just kind of on the rod either. I think you've got to have found the tree. You've got to have planted yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what it's what Lehi does back in chapter 8, verse 15. It came to pass that I beckoned unto them. I did also say unto them with a loud voice that they should come unto me. Not, I'm going to go out in the midst of darkness, grab my kid, and drag him to the to the no. tree because I'm going to get lost myself, right? Yeah, we would never try to, to lift someone up uh, by going lower. Right, yeah, yeah. You don't go you, under you them. bring them up. Yeah. To, you know, yeah, so I think there's there's that's a great injunction for us to, to call, but, but call once you've found it. Once you really mm-hmm. have a, a testimony that, that you serve a mission, after you've gained the witness, right? That you're not out there going, well, I think this is probably true, so it is. Go ahead, join it, right? I mean, that's not what the Lord wants us to do. Not that missionaries have any sort of perfect knowledge, but there sure. should be a base there. There right. should be a, yeah. uh, you should have partaken of the fruit to, yeah. to some degree. Yeah. Uh, so that you can... This has helped my life. And legitimately and with authenticity testify yeah. of the atonement of, yeah. of Christ. Totally agree. Okay, so we've covered a little bit of uh, chapter 9 already, uh, most of it already, in that uh, this is what uh, Nephi was saying. I've, I've, I'm rewriting my dad's record mm-hmm. for some reason. And then we get into chapter 10, and I have a note at the top of my chapter here that there are 16 prophecies about Christ in this, uh, in this one chapter. And I think that, if, if nothing else, mm-hmm. is proof that Christ is all over the Book of Mormon. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we see the word Messiah throughout this. Yeah. Uh, verse verse 4, we have uh, one of the first prophecies. Yea, even 600 years from the time mm-hmm. that my father left Jerusalem, a prophet would the Lord God raise up among the Jews, even a Messiah, or in other words, a Savior mm-hmm. of the world. And so Lehi is... Lehi is predicting these, or yeah, predicts that the Jews will be taken captive. You see that in the chapter heading, Mm -hmm. but then we're going to see these prophecies of the -hmm. Savior. And we're kind of up to the point, I've got a little note off the side of my scriptures, that it becomes present-day Nephi. Mm -hmm. It's no more looking back and abridging, this is what happened. This is from right here, moving moving forward. And what what are they going to focus on? The same thing we started this this podcast with. The intent is to bring people to the Savior, to testify of Him. Yeah. that 
Well, verse 6, wherefore all mankind were in a lost and in a fallen state and ever would be, save they should rely on this Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Really, truly pointing towards him who will who will save. Yeah, we get 7 and 8 being, um, you know, a, a prophecy of John the Baptist mm-hmm. coming to prepare the way. Um, now, remember, they had the brass plates, so this maybe wasn't necessarily a prophecy as, as much as it was reciting a prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then verse 9 uh, that he would baptize um, in Jordan, uh, which was pretty specific. I think that's a uh, maybe an additional not light knowledge that was being given at the time uh, that that uh, John would baptize the Messiah in the River Jordan. Um, and then we have a we're moving into kind of an analogy that's going to kind of permeate the whole entire Book of Mormon: this House of Israel mm-hmm. and olive tree, and so. We have his father speaking about the house of Israel likened unto and compared unto the olive tree. And we have branches that are scattered. We, of course, are going to see that uh, the allegory of the olive tree in Jacob that's going to take this to even even further as he's quoting yeah. uh, quoting prophets that, that speak about this. I guess what I would take or what, what I'd want to focus into is to Nephi's experience when he's hearing his father. Uh, if we've all, if those of us that have been lucky enough to have a, have parents that have testified of the Savior, mm-hmm. what do we do with that? Yeah. Um, what What are we going to take from what they said? Yeah. Uh, there's certain different avenues I think people can take. Yeah. Uh, people can blow off what a what a wonderful parent's trying to teach, yeah. or people can kind of do what what Nephi said. So if we go to verse 17, and it came to pass that after I Nephi having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. And here's what we see about Nephi. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see, hear, and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the times that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. Those, that statement, I was desirous also that I might see, hear, and know. It is incumbent upon all of us at some point to see, hear, and know for ourselves. So grateful for marvelous parents uh, out there that are teaching and testifying and pointing people to the Savior. With all of that, there is still a responsibility individually for someone to, to see, hear, and know for yeah. themselves. Yeah, it's really wonderful. I, I, I Just remembering... That uh, after Nephi has his own vision, he goes to his brothers and he mm-hmm. says, um, "You know, you can know this. Yep. You, you can you can understand this." And and they're like, "No, God doesn't speak to us." <laughs> and and I I think about my own children and I think I I spent so many years teaching them the gospel that I worry now that maybe I didn't teach them to go find the gospel, right? I just kind of presented it like a, like a dinner in front of them instead of teaching them how to cook and how to, how to enjoy it on their own. Um, and, and, and I think there's a difference there, right? That, that Lehi, for Laman and Lemuel, it was a feast they were just being given. And, and Lehi was the receiver of all the knowledge, and Nephi maybe too. Um, but Nephi recognized the difference between, hey, my dad can get this, I should be able to get this too. Um, and I wonder if that is a, applicable to young adults out there who who are coming from solid homes or coming from weak homes, right? Recognizing that that they have to be the one 
uh, to find it on their own now. That, that leaning on the testimony of their parents or the apostles or whatever they've lent, lent on before won't be sufficient in the future based on the things that you're facing in your life now. Um, you've got to do the daily tasks. You've got to ask. You've got to recognize that God doesn't just speak to some. He speaks to all of those who, who, will, who will seek him, right? And, that's, and that's, that is the key phrase. And it's another repetitive phrase back in, back in 10. Uh, in verse 17, I already read it, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. Verse 19, for he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them yeah. by the power of right. the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And, and it's not just a, a Nephi thing. Uh, it was before Nephi. It's an after Nephi thing because he says, as well in these times as in times of old, and as well as in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore, yeah. the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Yeah. This process of you diligently seek, when you desire to see here and know for yourself, you diligently seek, you will find. It's happened before. It's happening now. Yeah. It'll happen in the future because God's God's one eternal round. He's the same. Well, verse eighteen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. And the way is prepared. Right. And 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 I think I think too often. Well, I went and found that it's chapter fifteen of First Nephi, where where he's having that interaction with his brothers. And it's interesting their response. He says Nephi is basically saying you can know this, and they respond this way. They say, "Behold, we cannot understand the words which our Father has spoken concerning the natural branches of the olive tree, and also concerning the Gentiles." And I said unto him, unto them, "Have ye inquired of the Lord?" Mm-hmm. They said unto me, we have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. Well, of course he's not going to. You haven't even asked him. Yep. Right? And, and I, think, I think so frequently we think, I don't have a testimony. Or I don't, I don't know this thing or that thing. I've never studied this thing or that thing. But I just don't know it by default. That's a question I have about the gospel that, man, I don't, I don't want to study that answer because I don't, I don't know. I'm afraid of what the answer might be. Well, the people that have studied the answer are okay with the answer 99% of the time, right? Mm. And, um, and and so I think I think there's uh, some counsel there to us that we need to inquire of the Lord. We need to go ask. Uh, that's where we find our our own faith, right? And that's what's going to lead into next week's next week's podcast yeah. is what Nephi is able to see. Yeah. And uh, he's going to have a marvelous vision where he's led, and and uh, you're going to see wonderful words like "look" yeah. and "behold," mm-hmm. and and uh, because he diligently seeketh. There is great promises if you're desirous to see, hear, and know. Yeah, Brother Felix, this has been wonderful. We have uh, we have been blessed and fed, um, and I, I'm just grateful for your leadership here and your time with us today. Um, as we close this uh, recording, but but uh, maybe more so, we we close this portion of the Book of Mormon. Is there something that you would want young adults to to hold fast to? Is there something you'd want them to to remember, maybe maybe now in this week, but maybe also going forward into into the rest of the year, the rest of the semester as we start the book mm-hmm. I think now in this week we we just go back to what we what we started. The fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, mm-hmm. and be saved. Yeah. Uh, as you continue forward, the intent should be to come unto Jesus Christ, and that's with with your personal scripture study, with Come Follow Me, that's with attending institute, that's with with going to church. Everything should be about, am I coming to the Savior? Because it's only through Him that we can be saved. And so we just extend that invitation, come unto Christ, come unto Christ. Be gathered. Yep. Thank you, brother. We'll have you back. Thank you.
Thank you.